Welcome one, welcome all to the M60 podcast. I am your host, John Waltz, recording here in the dark, dreary, well, it's not dreary, but it's dark. It's dark way too early. It's that time of year here in Franklin, Tennessee. It is the eve of the presidential election, and when this comes out, the election will have taken place. Who knows what will happen in the results in the meantime? There's all kinds of theories about how it's going to be a bit of a crap show, but we're not going to talk about anything politically related. At least I'm not planning on doing that. But my guest with me tonight on election eve is Mr. Jack Beard. Mr. Jack, it is uh, great to have you on the show and uh, welcome to the M60 podcast. Thanks, man. Uh, I've been giving a few of your episodes a listen, and I, I'm really enjoying it so far. So thanks for doing what you're doing. It's a it's a great podcast and a great topic. Well, thanks, thanks. Yeah, and, and you uh, you you run your own podcast or podcasts plural, I guess. Um, that's kind of how you and I met. We uh, we both take lessons from uh, Scott Hassey here at uh, Franklin Bridge Golf Club, and uh, Scott is on episode number nine. For those of you who haven't listened to that one yet, that's a, a really great episode, one that I'm particularly uh, fond of, uh, where Scott and I talked a lot about his life and his life in the golf business. But uh, you are his co-host on that on his podcast, the Champions Playbook podcast, and uh, you also run your uh, another podcast uh, on the side. Can you go ahead and give us a little bit, um, give us the elevator pitch, if you will. You're in the business world. You know what, uh, what I mean by elevator pitch. So about, uh, about your brand and what, uh, what you do. Yeah. So I, I started out at 15. My, my stepdad asked me, he said, you know, Jack, if you wanted to work for anybody this summer, who would you work for? And I said, Bobby Bones from the Bobby Bones show, for oh, those yeah. of you in yeah. Nashville. And so I said, uh, I said, that's what I would do. And he said, all right, let's go. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, Hey, let's, let's, we'll put up a resume. We'll get you a little headshot and then we'll take it into the, into the radio studio and, and see what they got. So uh, I did that and I, I put my resume together, put a little profile picture on it. And you know, I was 15 at the time, which was crazy. And yeah. I got a call back from the producer and, and she was like, Hey, do you want to be a summer intern for the Bobby Bone show? Nice. And I later came to, came to figure out that um, I actually only got that internship. I was 15 as an intern with a bunch of 23, 24, 25 year olds. Hmm. And um, realized that the only reason that I got that internship was because I actually did a, um, a little study with Vanderbilt for, I was taking choir at the time in high school and I was doing mm, a study yeah. uh, for Vanderbilt children who had autism and they were trying to use music as, as helping, helping with their autism and how they could communicate and how they oh, could nice. really feel comfortable in an environment. Um, but that internship really sparked my desire to be in entertainment and to kind of be a personality per se. And so, mm-hmm. um, ended up doing, working for the Bobby Bones show, meeting a bunch of guys like Cheryl Crow, Hunter Hayes, uh, Joe Diffie, the list goes on and on. Wow. So, um, I got to do that and then 
this past summer, I worked at uh, Acme Radio Live, which is a, a, a small radio studio on Broadway and okay, got yeah. to do some production and uh, some production and social media work for them that was also around podcasting and uh, and radio and stuff like that. And uh, then I started one in high school called the Training Camp Podcast. It was me and my roommates talking about Tennessee sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm in the process of, of course, co-hosting the Champions Playbook with Scott and producing all of his work. And then um, I'm also starting my own company on the side called Off Broadway, which um, okay. has the podcasting element too in that. Okay. Yeah. Don't give away too much about, uh, about that. We'll cover that in the, uh, <laughs> in the next segment, but uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, first kind of big in-depth lead off question and the way I talk to you and, and talk to all my guests is I kind of format the show first half of the show, talk a little bit more about uh issues that uh, circulate around the masculine journey and, and around uh, manhood and your, your journey growing up. And so the first question that I ask to all of my guests uh, is this, what does it mean to be a man in the 21st century? Well, first of all, I think that like the show is a super, it's like a super excellent question. I think that we're kind of getting lost into what that means. I feel like in time periods uh, before us, you know, there was a real, image of what being a man is like. And I think now with social media and being connected more than ever, it's kind of like everybody's kind of sharing their, their, their true colors and their, their own personal journeys, wherever that lies. And there's now not really a stigma around what being a man is like it used to be. And so I think, you know, when you sent me this question, I, I wanted to kind of dive into it a little bit and be like, I think it's just somebody being confident in who their true self is. And I think that's that's something that I think we all struggle with, um, no matter how hard headed you think you are or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all have have sides that we don't like to show the world or sides that we do show the world or sides that we think we'd like to show the world. Um, but I think it's really being comfortable with what you love here on here on Earth and what your journey really is and um, and just being comfortable with that. So I think that's what it that that's what it really means, and I think it's really admirable those people who are doing it because you can really see it, and it's mm-hmm. not something that you can convey or fake. It's something that you really see in people who who have the drive to do that. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite authors he he talks about uh, the he calls it the poser uh, in essentially what you meet when you first meet someone, especially when you meet a man, is is you meet an elaborate fig leaf someone that's that's kind of covering what they feel like is maybe their their big flaws or something that might uh incline them to rejection whether whether in friendship or other relationships or just being kind of being accepted so i think the kind of what not to put words in your mouth but i think kind of one of the things that uh, that we're trying to get at with this is just what what does it mean to to be a man that's fully alive and someone who's shed that fig leaf or, or isn't posing quite as much and putting on as much of a, a front or as a show and then being a little bit more authentic in their own masculinity. So, um, yeah, well, the, the Japanese have a phrase too. It's like, there's, there's three faces that you have. It's the, the face that you show the world, the face that you show your close circle, and then the face that nobody else sees or your truest face. And so we all have those three faces. And if you think about it, you start to see it in yourself, right? Oh, yes. there, that, that is something that completely makes sense to you or to all of us. Um, and so it's, it's about how do we really 
kind of merge those three into what your own true self is into what your own true journey is and kind of showcasing that to the world and being comfortable with it. So I think that's, again, like a more extensive answer to my question of what it means. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good answer. I, uh, didn't, didn't know that about the, uh, the Japanese culture. I don't know much about the, the Japanese culture, to be honest, but, uh, um, that, that is a, a, a really good, uh, really good expression, a really good way of looking at it and, and thinking about it. Um, so next question, kind of talking a little bit more about you and your own journey, your own masculine journey. You're a very recent college graduate, and uh, in a lot of ways, you're just now starting to make your your own way in the world. So what kinds of things are you discovering now that maybe you had taken for granted for when you were a little younger or that you didn't even necessarily realize were, were parts of life and part, uh, part of your, your journey as a man when you were, when you were younger? Yeah, I've thought about this. Um, so up until, let's say, if you graduate college, you know, 20, 22, 23 years old, your life is kind of staged out in blocks, right? You know, you have middle school, then you have four years of high school, four years of college, you know, not including education before that. But there was always a next thing, right? And so like, when you're in middle school, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to high school now. And then when you're in high school, it's like, well, that next thing is college. And so you've always had this kind of four year lantern that was kind of shining your way, right? Because you knew what was next in your education journey. At least that's what it was for me. Now that I'm feeling like I'm out of college, or I am out of college and, and starting a new job and kind of figuring out what it means to be me, is that I've had shells of what it what I am in all of those stages I had college me I had high school me I had middle school me and those were all great and great fine and dandy but now I'm realizing once you step over that threshold after college it's kind of like you're just walking into the darkness per se you know there's no real four-year block ahead of you um right. yeah and so I'm trying to figure out right now where where I want my life to go and that's been extremely hard with you know, the current circumstances of everything. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just trying to figure out my life. And I'm super lucky to have a really good job that I found out of the blue, which is also due to circumstance, which is, which is crazy or not circumstance. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, maybe luck perhaps, um, which I can talk to you about that in a future question. But, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I, I do, I'm a, I'm a, I like to think I'm a spiritual guy too. So I'm just trying to trust the process and trust, you know, my God and, and what I feel like is, around the corner for me next and and everything is has worked out well for me as long as I just keep on working hard and so I'm just trying to establish that work ethic and discipline and confidence going in and it's mm -hmm. not it's not easy you know the face that I'm showing you and the face that I'm showing the podcast right now is not the face that I show to myself or that I show to my close friends because the the road is a lot harder than a lot of people think of it up to be or or like the short answer per se so right yeah. um so I'm trying to really, I'm struggling with that, but it's a constant journey. And I think that that's uh, a sign of true growth is struggle and is, is hard times because then you'll be able to hopefully forge a, a harder sword out of that flame. Yeah, definitely. And I would say, again, kind of going back to one of my, my favorite authors, one of the, the guys who kind of inspired me to, to do this pro this podcast, he, uh, he talks about in one of his other books about the phases that men go through in, in life. And there's kind of a, a discovery phase in your high school years and in your, in your college years, and even up into your thirties where you're kind of like, he calls it the cowboy stage. And then the warrior stage where the cowboy phase, you're just kind of out there trying to discover who you are and what your, 
your causes. And then the warrior phase, when you get into that next part of life is, you know, you've, you've found this cause that you want to pursue and you've, you've found this, this battle that you want to, that you want to fight or this cause that you want to partake in. And, and I, looking back on my own days when I was, you know, back in my day, when I was your age, you know, I, uh, um, you know, I, I can see a lot of that in, in me and, and I can see a lot of that in you and in your current phase in life that you're, you're kind of just trying to discover that, that cause yeah, I, and that I definitely feel like I'm a gunslinger right now. That's, yeah, yeah. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely feel like I'm a gunslinger. And, and again, I, I am trying to find that warrior face, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like I can't, um, I'm not trying to, to make this cowboy phase, um, not trying to have it be short-sighted, you know, but I really want to find that, that warrior phase where I can really pursue something that I'm passionate about. I think I'm in the process of that, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, if you know me for, a, if, if anybody knows me for a long period of time, you know, I'm a very impatient person and I'm very like, man, I want to do this now. I want to be, you know, have an established company and have, you know, millions of dollars, by, but, you know, before I hit 30, you know, and stuff like that, not that money's everything, but, right. um, you know, I, I'm a, if anybody's an Enneagram fan, I'm a number three, which is all I'm, all I'm focused on is my, is my career and being successful. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out what, what path I'm trying to take. And, but once I know that once I find that path, it's going to be, it's going to be game over and I'm just going to be shooting a dead straight arrow at that target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of switching gears here a little bit, um, you're, uh, you're part of the generation that's kind of, um, I don't consider myself a millennial, so, but you're a little bit younger than, than what's considered the millennial generation. I, I think, I think your generation is considered Gen, Gen Z, I guess, is the best way to put it. So you're obvious, obviously we've established that you're, you're much younger than me. Um, and um, so you, you've got some unique views on the world and, and maybe some of than, than some of my existing audience, some of my existing audience, they're a little bit older. They're kind of around my age in the, in thir- in their thirties. And um, I just turned 38 last week. So, you know, I'm, I'm approaching my, I'm approaching my forties. I'm closer to retirement than I am college. Um, that, that's a bit of a, an unsettling feeling sometimes, but what are some things about the older generation of men say that are in my generation in their, their mid thirties, early forties, even up into their fifties that, that you admire and maybe some, some things that, uh, about that generation that maybe you don't necessarily agree with or something that maybe we need to work on as, as men. Um, well, starting off with the good things. The one thing that I admire about men in a, you know, in a, in a, I don't, would you call it a past generation? I guess it would. Yeah. A past generation. Pre, yeah, previous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Previous generation is, is the work ethic and the discipline and the, that, that they have instilled in, at least in me and, and that I see in men that age. The work ethic and discipline, I think, is something that a lot of people in the age, in my age of social media and of, and of you know, internet and mobile internet, you know, there's a lot of ADHD tendencies. There's a lot of not, like not being focused or disciplined or, you know, doing something for a long time really well. And so that's what I really admire about people of a past generation. However, what I, what I would want to say is that this generation that, that I'm a part of, I was kind of raised in the, you know, you know, the dot-com bubble and, and the, and the, the boom of technology. And, and mm-hmm. I still remember picking up a phone with a cord attached to it. 
Um, you know, and I still remember, I still remember dial up. I still remember direct line internet and all now, that did, stuff. Have you ever, uh, have you ever used a rotary phone? No, no, that was a little bit too, okay. but you do uh, know what one is. me, but yes, yes. Okay. And I okay. do know how to dial on a rotary. Nice. Phone, so. All right. Um, but one thing that I think that a lot of people don't understand right now is the world is, it, it is quite literally a new world. And there's a lot of people in the past generations that are, I think, are really holding on to the idea of the world being exactly what they learned when they were growing up, right? But technology has put such a impact on our day-to-day lives that it is quite literally a new world. Um, and so I think there's a lot of things that the, that the past generation can learn from this new generation of how to create, how to create, how to be innovative and how to build businesses that are, that are focused around uh, you know, the internet being the primary factor for all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that we can learn from the older generation for how to be, you know, dedicated and, and, and commit to something that's for a very long time. And I think they can learn from us and understanding that, you know, you don't have to work nine to five for the rest of your life in order to make, make a, you know, make a name for yourself or make a job for yourself or whatever that means. Uh, you know, so I, I do think there's a lot to learn from, from both sides, but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really loving growing up in this new age, new era. Cause I don't feel like I'm following anybody's footsteps. Yeah. 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 And, and the flexibility that, that we do have in this day and age to do things on the side and, and even do our own, our own projects without being pretty quick about it. I mean, I, I started this podcast just this year and I, it was all I really needed was a laptop computer and a few microphones. And, you know, there's plenty of editing software out there that I, that I use to, you know, to, to chop things up. And, um, and even aside from my day job right now, I, I do, uber eats on the side and so that that type of a thing you wouldn't even even 10 years ago you wouldn't even conceive of that existing something like that and exactly ordering ordering on food online was was considered kind of not necessarily taboo but it was strange you know and and i can remember i mean for i don't think we had internet in my house until you know i was maybe in middle school, junior high, somewhere in there. And it was the, you know, it was the really primitive, like you said, 56 K dial up where, you know, yep, it's, yep. um, and so, yeah, I, I can, and I can remember like the very first cell phones that, that I saw were, you know, as big as a big as a brick and how everything's just changed. And now you've got the wealth of the world's information in your pocket. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably listening to, to it on a smartphone. So yeah, I know for is. sure. I mean, the only, the thing that I really love right now and for my generation, especially growing up into my cowboy phase and getting into my warrior phase to use your words is that there's no excuses anymore, right? There's no yeah. excuses. It's not like you have to, you know, walk into every place and, you know, submit your resume and hope for a, a call back. You know, it's like, there's no excuses. You can go the typical office route. You can do something on the side like Uber Eats, DoorDash, Postmates, uh, you know, Instacart, whatever. Mm-hmm. You can go and get a job online. We're all working from home now. There's no excuses anymore. And so I do like that we can now weed out the individuals who don't have that confidence, who don't have the work ethic or don't have the, uh, I think, all or have all of the excuses to say, well, I can't do it because there's no excuse anymore. And so it really exposes your true self. 
And that's what I like is because the people who want to push will push and will do it really well. Mm-hmm. And the people who won't just won't. And that's yeah. just unfortunate. Yeah. Well, yeah. And in every gosh, even in this last year, every, so many things have changed. Like you were saying in the, in the modern workforce that the company that I was working for, I, I probably, if, if COVID hadn't happened, I probably would never have met you or, or had met Scott or met anybody else at Franklin bridge because um, golf wasn't anything anywhere near on my mind at the, at the time. And I was working a job. I don't know. You can't really see it. My, see it in my background picture, but one of these buildings <laughs> back behind me, I've from my zoom background, I have the Nashville skyline, but I was going into downtown Nashville every day and working in an, in an office there on the fourth and church. And, um, golf just wasn't anything on my, you know, on my mind. And then when COVID happened and they sent us home to work from home, I, you know, golf was one of the few things that I could actually get out and, and go do. And you can still kind of gather around and, and be with, with your friends and, and enjoy time outside and enjoy time with them still. And so that just produced a whole new wrinkle of, of friendships and, and, uh, and meeting people that, and, and even gave me a little bit more flexibility to do this podcast too, because I work from home and I can pretty much take my lunch break whenever I want within reason. So if I've got, you know, I've got a tease, I'm teasing a few guests coming up here in the next, uh, next few months that, uh, I'll, I'm going to be able to do zoom calls with them from, from my apartment and do, you know, be able to interview them just like you and I are talking. So, kind of routing all that back to what you're saying is, yeah, we, we do, especially even in my generation, we, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, to poke fun at the younger generation because they've got all this technology, but at the same time, we've got to be able to adapt to that change and utilize that change to, to meet our goals and to, you know, and to be uh, productive citizens in the world. And I was about to ask you about that too, because, you know, you said that, you know, you guys have to adapt too. And I think, you know, kudos to you for doing this podcast. Cause I think there's plenty of other people your age who wouldn't think twice about expanding into this world, but I, I'm wondering, and, you know, obviously this doesn't apply to you, but do you think this older generation almost has a jealousy of our generation? The fact that we can adapt and learn and we have all this information at our fingertips and that we're able to progress even quicker than, you know, they might've been able to, uh, you know, cause I'm wondering too, because, um, you know, I talked to my, my parents or people older than me and, you know, they're still tr- trying to figure out an iPhone. Right. And it's like, right. yeah. uh, you know, I feel like I wonder how much of that is jealousy and insecurity around not being, uh, you know, adaptive or inflexible to the world around them. I, I think there's definitely some, some aspects to that. Um, I, I kind of, I, I did uh, episode number eight. I kind of went on a rant about, you know, people, people's victim mentalities, and it's really easy to act like you're a victim or things are against you or that you're not, you know, you're not technology, you're not technologically savvy. So you can't really, you know, get into this type of an arena or, or you're limited to the, to the different types of careers that you can do. Well, that's things have been made so much more user-friendly than even when, when technology first came into my home, you know, you, if, if you saw the first, I'm, I'm part of that generation where I was born in the early eighties. And so I, I still remember kind of the last bits of traditional America where, you know, we actually sat around the, the dinner table and, and we, you know, you to, to, 
to pass the time you went outside and played with your friends. And then, you know, when, and I can remember, I remember when the Nintendo entertainment system was new, you know, I I was, you know, that, and now we've got a hundred times the power of that in our pockets and in our smartphones now. So in fact, yeah, yeah, even more. In fact, I have the original final fantasy game on my phone and sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll play it when I'm, when I'm bored or waiting on something. But I remember when, that game was was a huge piece of technology on the original NES. And so I think, yeah, I, I think it is like some, some kind of jealousy because, you know, they're the younger, younger generations, they just, uh, they're able to adapt and grow so quickly with, especially in the world of technology and with the, the changing world, because you were born into it. I mean, the things, the, the rate of change of, of, just everything in, in the world today is, is so much greater than what it was even when my, when my parents were, were small. And even before then, you know, you, you just think about how long it took for us to get from medieval, you know, just an example, like from medieval times to the industrial revolution, and then from the industrial revolution to, you know, then the next, the next big revolution in technology, in technology and manufacturing and business. And then, with with each leap the time frame has gotten shorter and it's gotten so much more more quick that uh you know there's a lot of things and this is me kind of going off on a tangent but there's a lot of things that i i see on i was a big star trek fan growing up and there's a lot of things that i see on the older star trek shows that's like oh you know we've got that now or this is (laughs) you know so i think but getting back to your original question i think yeah it's just people people in general feel like that they need to be a victim of something if things aren't going their way. And that's, that's a really hard mentality to, to, to break. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're told all your life that you're some kind of a victim and we see that even in, in politics, I know I said, I wasn't going to talk too much about politics, but that's one of the tactics that politicians use. They like make you think that you're some kind of a victim and that, that you're oppressed and by electing them, you won't be oppressed anymore. Well, that's not so much the case anymore in America. So that's, uh, that's my tangent and my, my circular, uh, circular argument on, well, you, you'd kind of asked, asked, uh, answered this next question, um, about kind of the ways that, that, that our generation can, uh, can look at, uh, what are, what are some things about your generation? Um, maybe that, that you don't necessarily, like to see or some trends maybe that that you you're not really i don't know not necessarily on on board with or or that uh kind of bother you a little bit about your your generation right now um i think my generation is super obsessed with vanity um and i've had to kind of swallow my pride on a lot of that stuff too and i've, I've kind of realized um and I, honestly it's probably been a positive for me because I see some of these people who are, you know, posting on Instagram and all you can think about is the next like, you know, and, and I've turned my notifications on Instagram off, frankly, just cause I don't, I don't want that dopamine hit, you know, if I post a picture and like that, you know, the mm-hmm. likes go on, it's like, I, I just don't think that's good. Um, and so I think a lot of people are, are, are trying to, you know, that's who they are is if they don't get 300 or 500 or a thousand likes on their picture, then, you know, they're not worth anything. Right. And I've tried yeah. to build that. I've tried to build that confidence from, you know, from the inside out, you know, and be comfortable with who I am and not really, um, 
you know, obsess too much about the likes, you know, or, or the, you know, what other people think. Um, and I think that'll benefit me in the, in the long term. I don't think I'm seeing much of a payoff on that right now, except for, you know, my inner confidence um, or what I portray as my inner confidence, I guess. But mm -hmm. that's one thing that I don't really like is, is the vanity aspect of things. Now where things get different is if you have somebody who has a super business oriented mindset and use that vanity as collateral uh, for, uh, for views and for attention. And if they're able to monetize that, I think that is, I think that's, one of the greatest businesses that's going on right now is, yeah, yeah. um, you see, you see, you know, that's, ads that's almost on, capital capitalism at its uh, purest right there. Exactly. And so, you know, I do like, I, I, I appreciate the hustle, you know, when I see, you know, some girls maybe doing like a makeup sponsorship, you know, or, you know, you know, uh, you know, skincare stuff on their, uh, you know, or apparel on their Instagram and, and, you know, they get a, a protein powder. A, Right. They get affiliation yeah. link or they're making money off the sponsorship or whatever. I'm like, you know, respect. I respect that hustle. Um, you know, but I do think it's it's a problem when we are, you know, obsessing over the vanity aspect. Mm -hmm. And so I think people really need to be careful about how they intake their content. And I'm trying to do the same thing with me because, you know, even though I'm telling this as a representative of, of what I think is wrong, you know, I, I do find myself in a rabbit hole sometimes with that oh, and yeah. I have to pull myself out of it. Oh, yeah, um, so either. I think it's just dangerous. Short attention spans and short attention spans and vanity, I think are the, mm -hmm. the downfalls of my generation right now. Yeah. Well, and I even get sucked into that too. It's, it's as far as, you know, following, I, I, I every, it's probably, probably quarterly is kind of how it's come down to, but sometimes I'll just get to the point where I've got to go through who I'm following on Instagram and just do kind of a purge. Like, am I looking at this person because what their brand is or what they're talking to me about through Instagram? Is that contributing to my life? Is it something that I want to, is it information I want to partake yeah. in or is are it Are you just, bringing me value? Yeah. Are you bringing me value? That's yeah. what I usually ask myself. Mm -hmm. And exactly. I, I grew up in the early days of Facebook. Like Facebook was my generation's first social media, the same with mm -hmm. everybody else. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what was that? The early two thousands? I think um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mine so, was, I was on MySpace before <clears throat> Facebook. So yeah. 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 Well, little do you whippersnappers know there was, there was something before Facebook that was. Well, MySpace kind of had a comeback. They tried to come back in the early 2000s to compete with Facebook, and then they just got crushed by the Zucks. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I got up on that. And, and when I brought was brought up on that, and so like in, you know, in middle school and in high school, it was kind of like, how many Facebook friends can you accumulate? Because that right. was really the true yeah. test of, you know, if you were popular or not. Who's so in your like top five on my, going back to MySpace? You know, who's your top, no, exactly. who's in your top five? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it was, you know, I was accepting friend requests from people I didn't even know. And now that I'm, you know, 23 and I don't even use Facebook because it's a broken platform for me because it doesn't truly represent who I'm friends with or who I am. You know, I'm just trying to you know, <laughs> right, revive yeah. myself from that from that little storm. But yeah, that's that's another aspect of the vanity um, in that regard, too. Well, uh, let's switch gears again here. Uh, this will be the last question for this first segment here. And then we'll kind of talk a little bit more about about you and your uh, your branding and your journey. But uh, talk to us a little bit about some of the strong male role models you've had in your life and what kind of an influence they've had on you. Um, obviously my father figures, you know, my dad, um, seeing him come up in his career and some of, you know, where he struggled and then recovered and then 
got to a really good place where he is now, you know, like I, I really look up to that, you know, it just shows that, you know, hard work and discipline and, and really being determined for what your end goal is going to be. Um, you know, that's something that I really admire. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a stepfather in my life who is the true representation of a, a businessman and a gentleman. And he's really shown me what it means to be a gentleman and be a businessman and have, uh, have a mindset like that. Him and my mom run a property management company here in the, in the middle, middle Tennessee. Um, and so that's where kind of my entrepreneurial bug comes from is seeing my mom and my stepdad run their business. Um, and so that's, those are probably a few of my big role models. Obviously I've played sports growing up. I've had some amazing coaches. Um, I've had some people, you know, so amazing coaches that really, you know, uh, helped my mindset and my mental health and what I'm, what I'm kind of coming into now. And all of those mentors really contributed to my self-confidence and me knowing that who I am is, is who I am. And that's the image that I'm going to portray to the world. And I don't have to pretend to be anybody else in order to make an impact on the world. Um, and so that's what I think I'm really blessed with today is that no matter what, no matter how hard things get, no matter how poor my mental state gets, I know that I am who I am and I'm okay with that. I think so many people fall out of, fall out of love with themselves or don't really treat themselves the best. And mm -hmm. Um, you know, start questioning, you know, am I worth it? It's like, am I worth it to who? I, I, I always like to, you know, put all my money on myself and bet on myself. Um, and, you know, well, that might be a risky play. That's also, you know, I think we're a bunch of my confidence and my, my being okay with who I am really mm -hmm. comes from. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd say kind of being an, an athlete, an ex-athlete myself is that, that, um, that kind of mentality comes from athletics. Like all, all I ever asked when I was uh, growing up in athletics was just, just give me an opportunity. And if I mess up the opportunity, it's on me. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of, of, of that ilk too. Um, it's also quick little bursts of, uh, of performance. Right. And it's like, you don't have to wait five years in your career to really like see where you're going to go per se. It's like, well, if I knock this ball out of the park, like that's, an immediate gratification for my performance and my training and what I'm doing here. So it's like, uh, it really like shows you what hard work can do because you're, you're really mm -hmm. tested in these key times and these key pressure, these key critical situations. And a lot of that is a testament to, uh, getting in the weight room too. Right. And I think that's yeah. where del my delayed gratification kind of kicks in is because I've seen results. I've lifted the weight I've built my strength and so even though I'm not the best at delayed gratification and I'm trying to be better at it, yeah. um, I definitely know that it's possible. But all of that is attributed to athletics. And that's what I love mm -hmm. about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, that's uh, that's all for this first segment here. In our next segment, we're going to get into a little bit more about you and kind of how we cross paths and our history with the game of golf and what uh, what you're doing here in the Nashville area. And we'll talk to you a little bit about your brand. He is Mr. Jack Beard, and we'll be right back with him on the M60 Podcast. One thing that we've been able to do, at least in this part of the world during this whole COVID pandemic, is get out on the golf course and play some golf, enjoy nature, enjoy time with our friends. One of the things that's drawn me back to the game of golf is when I do hit that good shot, when I do shoot that low score, and 
what can we do to get better at golf? Well, we can be like everybody else and watch Golf Channel for hours on end. We can get on YouTube and watch instructional videos and not have any kind of feel for what they're trying to teach us in those videos. And You can follow certain accounts on Instagram and act like you're getting good information and improving your game. Or, what I recommend you do is you can become a student of the game of golf. The best way to do that is pick up a copy of my friend Scott Hassey's book, The Champion's Playbook, Thinking Your Way to Lower Scores. In this book, Scott will take you through seven courses about how to sharpen your course strategy, everywhere from having a plan, developing that plan, developing your own instincts, knowing the actual distances that you hit your clubs, and a whole lot more. Scott also has a podcast that he produces weekly here in Franklin, Tennessee. You can tune into that. It's great stuff. I'll have links for both in the description below. But be sure to pick up a copy of his book, The Champion's Playbook. It's available on Amazon. And as I said, a link will be in the description below. Also a link to his podcast, The Champion's Playbook Podcast, will also be in the description below. Hey, new episode, new season, new recording location of the M60 Podcast. You know what that means. New sponsors. Well, hopefully new sponsors. If you are interested in contributing to the content that you see here in the creation of this show, you can hit me up on Patreon. Links is in the show notes in the description. Or you can... Hit me up via email if you're interested in doing any kind of sponsorship with this show. Just put in the subject line sponsorship and you can email me at m60podcast at gmail.com. That is the letter M, the number 60, podcast at gmail.com. Just be sure to put sponsorship in the subject line there. I've got a lot of exciting things coming for these next few episodes, so stay tuned. to the M60 Podcast. I am your host, John Waltz, recording in the now dead of night in Franklin, Tennessee. Joining me this uh, this episode is Mr. Jack Beard. He is the ho- co-host of the Champions Playbook Podcast. And um, Jack, I want to talk to you a little about your brand, uh, Off-Broadway. Does that, that has a podcast associated to it with it also? Am I thinking about that correctly? Yeah, so Off-Broadway is kind of getting started right now. Me and my buddy Jackson Kerb um, started that company, um, let's see, almost close to a year ago. Um, we're taking a long time kind of starting it up because, you know, unforeseen circumstances kind of happened. But um, ultimately, it's just a digital marketing company focused on um, entertainers, musicians, athletes, um, you know, people of, of high profile in Nashville. And kind of showcasing them or even low profile we're, we're trying to do a lot of work with independent artists too so we've got a, a mm-hmm. video that we shot with my buddy hayden kaufman who's an up-and-coming country act um, that will come out soon um, but ultimately it's just a platform to showcase individuals that you know people like you and i love i think there's a very uh 
there's a very, there's not a lot of areas where you can go and interact with your favorite artists, especially in Nashville. Right. Yeah. You're, uh, you know, if, let's say you're a singer, you know, you either do the, you, you know, you do the PR tour where you go on the radio shows, you go on TV, you, you know, you open for people on tour, uh, yada, yada, but there's not a lot of, uh, digital interaction with those people. And so what we want to do is, is bring the fans closer to those artists by taking them either around the city, doing things that they like, um, you know, playing songs with them, streaming, whatever, and just bringing more of their presence to the digital world where there's less of a barrier between the fan mm -hmm. and the entertainer. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do uh, with Off-Broadway. Um, and yes, there is podcasts uh, and videos and streams and stuff that we want to do with, um, with those artists. And we already have a few written down and recorded and edited and uh, we're just kind of waiting for this crap to, to end so we can kind of release all the work that we've been doing to the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that sounds like a really, really great thing going on here. I, I've lived in the middle Tennessee in Tennessee area for, Oh, it's been about, well, I lived here for about, I'm trying to think now about uh, 11 or 12 years. And then I moved out to Phoenix for a while. And then I've been back for about, um, about a year and a half now. And kind of what I know about the city and the music industry is it's, it's really kind of it's exactly what you said. You, you really, unless you, you know, somebody that's deeply it's old media. Yeah. It's yeah. old media. Yep. That's for sure. Yeah. But you're, yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah. And in this, as we were talking earlier in this ever changing environment, I think the, the, the artists that do finally utilize, utilize this new media will be, you know, they'll, they'll be a lot more, or they'll, they'll be a, a lot more successful, a lot more quickly. And maybe it wouldn't be because the old joke was you're a, you know, you're an overnight success after 10 years when you yeah. finally moved to town here. So that's exactly uh, right. One thing that we're seeing too in the music industry, especially in Nashville, is that there's kind of a changing of the guard happening right now. Um, there's a lot of older musicians that you've come up on and love throughout the early 2000s who are kind of entering the back half of their career. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of new, really talented, good guys coming up. Um, let's see. I mean, there's, there's, there's Jimmy Allen, Jameson Rogers, Luke Combs has kind of had to come up, Maddie and Tay. Um, there's a lot and tons more that I'm forgetting. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's always the old guard, you know, the Carrie Underwood, you know, the Garth Brooks, the Blake Shelton, the Keith Urbans um, that are kind of entering makes, the last half of their career. That makes me feel old considering them the old guard. <laughs> they're they're kind of coming off. They're still releasing, a lot, you know, a lot of good music, you know, but, you know, they have been around for a while. Oh, yeah. Changing yeah. the guard is no, about to happen. Yeah. But you see it. It's weird because I'm sorry, I'm going off a tangent because I love this stuff. so much. Oh, yeah. No worries. Yeah. No, is that's what that, the segment's um, for is for, you know, to, to get into <laughs> stuff that you like and talk about that. So. Right. Um, but you see it in pop music right now. Um, and, and pop and rap music usually trend a lot quicker than country music does um, mm -hmm. just for obvious reasons. And you see a lot of newer artists coming in to the spotlight now um, over the past two or three years that have really started to come up. Um, and so we're trying to catch the, that, the Nashville scene at the right time to kind of do that. Um, I can't give away, give away all the secrets just because that's right. You know, yeah. We're trying yeah. to release that. But um, I promise you it's going to be super fun when it does. And, and hopefully we're going to make a big wave in Nashville, Nashville here in the next two or three years. Awesome. Well, I will, uh, I'll put your links to that in the show notes here so people can get a little bit more information about that. Um, and well, let's, um, let's go on to the, uh, the next, uh, next question here, kind of about how, uh, 
how you and I met. We met through our mutual friend, uh, Scott Hasse. You, you're the uh, co-host of the Champions Playbook with, uh, with Scott. Um, so tell uh, our audience here a little bit about your journey in the game of golf itself, kind of how you got into the sport and um, what, uh, you know, kind of what your experience has been and, and uh, just kind of, you know, ex- expound, uh, expound and expand from there. Yeah. Uh, golf has always been big in my family. Um, you know, my grandfather loves playing it still does. My brother's a really good golfer. My, my stepfather is, uh, he was a, he was a golfer in his day and, um, golf was always too slow for me growing up. And I've always tried to combat that with other sports. I've been a big basketball player, a big baseball player. Um, and so I've really liked, and the, you know, the, the challenges that come with those sports. Mm-hmm. Um, as I finished playing my tiny stint of baseball at UT, I tiny minuscule at, at Tennessee Knoxville. Um, I noticed that I was missing that competitive component to my life um, and challenging myself in a way that, you know, was not mental or, or, you know, career focused. And I missed athletics. And so golf was kind of the next step for me. The bridge has always been my home course. My uh, dad lives on the ninth, now ninth hole used mm, to be the okay. 18th before yep. the nine switched. <clears throat> and so um, I decided to give golf a try again. Um, so I showed up with some old clubs and uh, um, was trying to hit a bucket of range balls. And, um, you know, they told me about the river club, which is this great deal that the bridge has going on that, which makes it a lot easier to get into the game of golf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tried it out and since COVID and I graduated a semester late in college. So I graduated in the summer instead of the spring. Mm-hmm. So I had okay. a lot of time on my hands during this in the summer when I was still taking classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like hyper-focused on golf. It got me through a lot of my anxieties and fears that I had about you know, the future and my career and my job and all that stuff. And it got me away from my mom who was nagging me about it. So (laughs) (laughs) there you go. Uh, So I really focused. And I mean, (laughs) for how good I am at the game right now, I mean, I'm nothing to, nothing to, to, you know, praise over, but for how good I am right now is really a testament to how much I wanted to (laughs) not think about the future and my career and what I was going to do. So, Uh, but I really love it now. Met Scott, started taking lessons from Scott. He is, you know, a big, he's big on social media. He mentioned to me how he had a podcast. I said, well, what are you recording it with? He said, you know, honestly, just two lav mics, which are, you know, the classic ones that people see wearing on TV. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, what if I told you that I could kind of up your production value for you? He said, let's do it. Um, You know, me with my background in, in production, you know, I, I said, well, you know, let's, let's try it out. We sat down and, and Scott's now, trading me lessons for production, which, you know, I love. So that's, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the bridge has been an awesome family. I've gotten to meet people like you and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the great guys at, at Franklin bridge. And, and uh, it's been a real good safe haven for me throughout this chaotic time. Yeah. Well, and a lot of what you're, you were saying kind of parallels my story with, with getting back into the game. I, I grew I grew up playing golf um, and played tried to play competitively in in tournaments when I was a, a kid and and actually graduated from uh, a university with a golf management degree and I actually spent um, if you combine if you combine post college and even in high school and even in college I spent about ten to twelve years in the the golf business doing different doing different things and. I 
before COVID hit, you know, I didn't really have any uh, desire or any, you know, need to get back into the business just because, you know, I had been kind of burned out on it and, and it was work for so long. And a um, friend of mine introduced me to Franklin Bridge and, and the River Club. And so I kind of used that as a something way to get way to get some exercise and just kind of try and get my game back to to where it was when I was younger and and obviously met Scott and um as and helped co-hosted a couple episodes with him on on his podcast and he's been on on this podcast and like you said to the just the people that I've met out at Franklin Bridge that have become become friends and um you know, in a way, families has really helped helped me get through this uh, this really weird weird time, this weird year that we've been going through. So, hundred um, percent agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so you mentioned you had um, a little bit of uh, experience in college baseball. I know you said it was minute, but uh, um, talk to us about your your history with baseball and and just athletics in general. Because I know you mentioned a few other sports in there, and I just would kind of love to hear how that's shaped your life and, and, uh, what you've, what you've learned from that. Yeah. Uh, being an athlete has always been an identity of mine, which probably also doesn't necessarily help, uh, you know, the beginning of my college experience. And then, you know, now leading into my career, cause you know, I don't have that identity anymore per se, but, um, you know, I grew up playing every single sport imaginable. I was really good at basketball for a <laughs> a good bit of my life. And, and, uh, I realized that I loved baseball more. Um, so started playing baseball, obviously, since I've been, you know, really young and, um, played through high school. And when it kind of came to, you know, do you want to get recruited or not? I was like, yeah, sure. So I started playing, you know, uh, travel ball every summer, like I'd had been since I was 12, um, Mm -hmm. um, trying to get, you know, trying to get seen, trying to get offers. And, uh, Frankly, I didn't try hard enough on my recruiting side. The recruiting side is actually something that's kind of honestly kind of taboo in, in, in nowadays, um, just cause there's no real way to do it. You kind of have to like really stick your limb out there to get people to notice you. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you really gotta, you know, even email just coaches when you're in high school, you know, email college coaches being like, Hey, here's my stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, check it out kind of thing. And there's no real like path to getting recruited you kind of have to get lucky um and so I didn't I knew I didn't want to play for a small school I knew I wanted to go to a bigger college because I wanted that college experience I wanted that mm-hmm. you know greater degree I wanted to be kind of like seen um and so uh didn't go anywhere out of high school um to go play college ball um enter what is it 2017 20 early uh, late 2017 early 2018 um, Tony Vitello took over for Serrano at UT as their new baseball coach. And he was the first coach to offer open tryouts, uh, walk-on tryouts per oh, se, wow. okay. um, yeah. to the general public at the university. Um, so I tried out for that, ended up getting a place as a practice player for UT, um, and worked out with them and played with them for all of the fall season. Um, and then they kind of had to offer me an ultimatum, unfortunately, due to NCAA rules where they said, you know, um, you know, unfortunately you're going to have to sign this paper saying that you're never going to play an inning of baseball at the university of Tennessee. Um, because LSU had a scandal a few years back, um, where they would keep practice players on their squad, 
uh, wouldn't count them as roster spots, and then they would magically appear on the roster the next year um, mm, okay. as, as walk-ons. Um, and, and that didn't really work out because they were getting university benefits, university equipment, university coaching. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't legal. So, right. Yeah. Um, I, I like an illegal way to redshirt somebody, I guess is kind of what it, it sounds almost, like. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I basically said, you know, it's been fun, but peace out. You know, if I'm, I want to pursue something that's really going to further me in my next life. Um, and if I'm not going to get um, any time playing here, you know, I, I'm, I, I kind of want to go try my hand at something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so left discovered my business fraternity that I joined. It's a co-ed business fraternity because I didn't really want to do the whole uh, social fraternity. I right, wanted to do yeah. was going to kind of progress myself, um, joined my business fraternity, really loved all the work that I did, gave me incredible um, professional development and ended up becoming the president of my business fraternity my senior year. Um, got to fly all around the country, travel all around the country, doing stuff for them and manage a, you know, 150 person uh, or close to 200 person uh, organization. And that really grew me as well and um, got to do my passions on the side. And it was just a really good cap to my college career. So I did that for uh, three years and that was really kind of the best, uh, best decision that I've ever made in college. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's vastly different from, <laughs> from my college experience. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I tell people I was, um, I, I, w- I was on the team. I was on the football team at this little, uh, little school that I went to for college in college, but, uh, I, I do. And, and you do when you're, when you're an athlete and you're, and I feel like too, if you, if you play above, you know, the high school level or you're part of a, an organization above the high school level and you get a little bit more in-depth coaching and training that you do take away a lot of, uh, a lot of good experience from that. Um, the other least. thing that people don't really think about too, is that, uh, you know, people who play collegiate sports at a high level, you know, division one, even division two, even division three, hell, the, mm-hmm. the game becomes more of a job than it does a game anymore. Um, yeah, and that fair. really puts yeah. that really puts a damper on, uh, you know, the beautiful game that you were playing growing up. And unless yeah. you're incredibly good at what you're doing, um, you're not really going to see much from it in your next life. Um, and that also doesn't even take into account like women's sports. Like mm-hmm. I admire women, like female athletes at the NCAA level in vastly just because they are doing something knowing that they're not going to be able to do it. That's the highest level that they're going to be able to do it. at. Right. Yeah. And I think with no financial upside on the other side of things, you know, it just, I I think they love the game so much more than some of the men who play sports because they know if they're really good at it, they're going to be getting a paycheck. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying that they don't love the game, but I think it's incredibly humble for some of these NCAA athletes to play the game that they've grown up loving takes so much time out of their college experience just to play that game that they love. And I think that's super admirable. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. It's, it, it is something that you have to, you have to love the game and you have to really like being around the, your teammates and your coaches because you do spend, you do spend a lot of time with them. It's almost like, it's almost like having two jobs essentially because you've got it, you've got class during, during the day. And then, you know, in the afternoon and evenings, you've got meetings or study table and then, and you've got, you've got practice and you've got the, you know, weight training during the day. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it definitely adds a lot of structure to, 
to what your your days are like but at the same time you've really got to you really got to love the the guys that you're around that to to keep pursuing that so um, I got to experience a little bit of that at the fraternal level too I mean like being the president of my business fraternity that's housed in the business college you know I was pretty much on call 24 7 Mm-hmm. For, for my whole presidency and you know not that you know these two are comparable they are in some ways but they're yeah yeah different. yeah you and others yeah you'll you take a lot more forward in life from what you get in your business fraternity than say athletics but but yeah yeah i'm sorry i cut you off there a little <laughs> bit but uh go go ahead no, you're good no I, I think we broke up for a second so I, i'm i'm good yeah okay okay um so uh, we're kind of coming up here on the end of the uh, of the main podcast here. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is kind of the uh, the final question that I like to wrap up with each guest um, and just kind of give our listeners and our our audience maybe that uh, that are needing some advice and some encouragement and maybe some guidance uh, from the guests that we have on the show. Just kind of giving giving them an opportunity to uh, to speak uh, speak on this so um let's just say that you're in you're in a situation where you've got to speak into the life of a younger man and they're kind of down on life and they're down on the world and they're kind of cynical towards everything that's that's going on and that's that's occurred in their life and they're they're really just kind of in a place where they're bitter and kind of ready to to give up on on life and 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 what what would you what kind of advice would you give a, a young man like that? What kind of encouragement would you would you give to him? Um, I think life is a lot more than what we think of it is in the moment. Um, sometimes we have to play the long game, and sometimes we have to make the hard decision to, uh, you know, trial on, even though it might not be fun in the time. Um, I looked up a, a definition, or I found a definition yesterday, and and. The, de- the definition, I think it was, it was a uh, sonder. Um, and, and the definition of that word is, it's a long definition, but it, it basically means um, you will walk by many people in your life and they will just be extras in your movie. But the fact of the matter is, is that extra, that person drinking coffee in the background of your movie, that person walking by on the, on the street has their own life with their own hardships their own set of people that they know that you will never know in their life, uh, in your own personal life. And, and they're doing the exact same thing. There's, there's, you know, you're not alone in this journey. Um, there's plenty of people that will help you along the way. Um, I think what I would say is just be passionate about what you do and, and, and find something that you are interested in. I don't care what that is. I don't care what the the world deems that passion as being good for you or not. Um, focus on that passion. Really do what feels good to you. Um, that is taking you to further places, and you'll run into people that will help. Will be able to help you out. Um, you know, same reason why I would never be on this podcast if I didn't, you know, want to go play golf. You know, one day uh, during the this summer. Um, same way that I would have never gotten into podcasting and never gotten into um, entertainment if it wasn't for my stepdad saying, what job would you want to do if this summer, if you could do anything? The same reason why, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been the president of my business fraternity if I didn't go out and try and pursue baseball um, and realize that that wasn't going to be, you know, the next step in my path. There's so many great things in my life that are, that have happened as results 
of un, un, unseen circumstances in my life prior. Mm-hmm. That, that's the reason why I press on. That's the reason why I believe in the process. That's the reason why I believe in my future is because that I know that there's been too many things in my life that have seemed like coincidences that have led me to the exact moment that I'm in right now. And, and that's the reason why I press on. And that's the reason why I am constantly figuring out who I am. That's the reason why I'm constantly trying to figure out what being quote unquote, a man is for myself because it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And don't let a stereotype of what a man is to the vast majority of people define what your story is today. It is, it is manly to find yourself. It's manly to cry. It's manly to be emotional. It's manly to not know. It's manly to be uh, somebody that you don't know yet. Um, press on. And that's yeah. what it means to be a man for me is to press on despite, uh, despite the odds that are against you. All right. Well, good stuff, man. That, uh, I, I couldn't, uh, I, I don't think I can add anything onto that, that, uh, wouldn't art <laughs> that wouldn't, uh, wouldn't elevate it any more than it already is. So, um, Good stuff, man. So he is Mr. Jack Beard. He is the co-host of the Champions Playbook podcast. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Also, um, what would you say your title is with uh, Off Broadway? Just uh, co-founder? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I do the Champions Playbook, so go check that out uh, at SSE Golf. Um, but I think what I really, I define myself as an entrepreneur, man. I'm just uh I've got a job right now, but I would consider myself the, you know, co-founder and, and, and CEO of Off-Broadway Entertainment. And hopefully that'll come to a, a screen near you and, and who knows what my next pursuit will be, but I know it's going to be something good. So go ahead and, you know, toss me a, a follow. Uh-huh. Awesome. Awesome. And what's your, uh, what's your Instagram? Uh, you can follow uh, Off-Broadway Nash um, on Instagram, you can follow me. Uh, it's the underscore Jaybeard, um, and then you can also check uh, some of the work that Jackson and I have done out at um, OffBroadwayNash.com. All right, and all of those links will be in the show notes for you. So, Jack, thanks very much for joining me tonight and for uh, for being a guest on the show here. I really do appreciate it. And appreciate you coming on with the uh, the short notice too. That was, uh, big big help as you know in the in the podcasting game so but uh with that we'll wrap things up he is jack beard i am john waltz this is the m60 podcast we'll talk to you next time